Welcome to Bible Foundations. I'm Jerry Smythe, your host, and we're happy that you're able to be with us again today and share with us the joy of discovery in God's Word, discovery of God's omnipotence, His power to control all of the events of the earth, and His omniscience, His all-knowing ability to know not only what's going on around us right now, yes, even in this old world, but even as in Joseph's world, He knew and orchestrated what was going on, even though Joseph uh, couldn't see what, was, what God was doing. But God was laying out a plan in Joseph's life. And we find that as we approach uh, the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37. And we found there in our last time together that Joseph had a dream. And his brothers didn't like that dream. And the reason they didn't like the dream is because it showed Joseph being son of Jacob, number 11, being the leader of the family. It showed his brothers bowing down to him. Now, folks, older brothers can't stand the idea of bowing down to a younger brother. But God had a plan. And in spite of their jealousy and in spite of their hatred for Joseph for telling their father what was really going on when they were out in the fields, and in spite of their, his dreams, they hated him. They hated Joseph with a passion, and they've sold him now into slavery. And he is found at the beginning of our time together today in the house of Potiphar, an Egyptian who has bought him as a slave. And Joseph is a slave in the, in the Egyptian Potiphar's house. Through this life of Joseph now, we see God's plans operative, regardless of the circumstances that Joseph finds himself in. We find him now that as he's working for his master, Potiphar, the Egyptian ruler, who uh, has now seen Joseph in action. And you know, his master saw, the chapter tells us, that is chapter 39, verse 3 tells us, that his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the, and that the Lord made all that Joseph did to prosper. Now, that's quite a reputation. You see, he was a child of God. He believed God. Being, if you will, a favorite son of Jacob, no doubt he had spent extra hours, for Jacob was an older man now when Joseph was born. And no doubt he related the details of his relationship with God and told him all about his, great, his grandfather Abraham and his father Isaac, and the promises that had come down to them through the centuries. And he was taught through these lessons at his father's knee of how to come to God, and how to worship God, and how God had spared Isaac and provided a substitute lamb. You see, these stories were critical. These were real-life history that was being passed down from a father to a son. And these things were ingrained in the heart of Joseph. And God was in control of Joseph's life, even though now he'd been dealt a dirty deal by his brothers and he'd been sold into slavery. He was alive. God wouldn't allow them to kill him, but they sold him into slavery. But even in this hardship now, Joseph trusts God and Potiphar recognized that the Lord was with him and the Lord was blessing his hand in everything he gave him to do. After a period of time, it, can, it happened that Potiphar had put him over all of his house. He was the overseer of all of the affairs of his house. And it says in chapter 39, verse 5, that, the, that uh, uh, he, uh, Potiphar had put Joseph over all that he had and that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house 
for Joseph's sake. And we remember that God had blessed uh, Uncle Laban's house uh, for Jacob's sake. That Jacob was Joseph's father. And no doubt those uh, lessons had been relayed to Joseph at his knee. Now the time came when Potiphar's wife tempted Joseph, but he refused to be tempted. And although she lied about him, he was willing to endure that hardship as a result of it. He didn't choose to be cast into prison for her lies, but he was. And when he found himself in prison, we find that he's faithful to his God. Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him of immorality, and the scripture tells us that he fled from the situation that she was tempting him in because he was one who trusted in God. You see, the laws of God were written in his heart, and that's what the Lord tells us in the scripture about every man, is that the laws of God are written in our heart so that we are, uh, are able to make a choice in good and in evil. You see, we're able to know the difference, although our bend is normally to do evil. But Joseph was a man of faith. He believed in the promises of God, and his life was different. And we see in chapter 39, verse 20, it says, And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and there he was put in prison. Now, folks, we see a pattern of God being active in Joseph's life as he continues to believe him. He believed the dreams that God had sent his way. Now, God doesn't speak to us in dreams in that way today because we have the Bible. But God spoke to him in dreams in that way at that day, and that caused him great trial. And he was hated by his brothers because of his believing God. And they didn't believe the promises of God. At least the evidence was that they were not godly men. They were men who wanted to do things their own way. And they conspired to kill Joseph. But God protected Joseph from them, even in the pit. God was with him in the pit. And God sent the uh, uh, Ishmaelites along to whom... uh, Joseph's brothers sold him, and uh, then God was with him with the Ishmaelites. And now we see God is with him in Potiphar's house, and now we'll see that while he's in jail, God is still with him. Now the irony of this thing is is that Joseph's faith in God was similar to that of his grandfather, and God credited that righteousness to his account because he, being a sinner, still came to God God's way, and God blessed him for it. Verse 21 tells us that while he's in prison, the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Verses 22 and 23 tell us the degree to which God gave favor to Joseph in the, in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Verse 22 says, And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. Verse 23, And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand, under Joseph's hand, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did the Lord made to prosper. There's a lesson in this for us, my friend, no matter what circumstances come our way in our lives and what difficulties are come our way, we can believe that God has a plan in it, even when we can't see it. Now, folks, I know personally that that sometimes is very hard to understand when bad things happen in your life and things that you don't feel you deserved and you're mis. 
misaccused or and uh, you are accused of doing things that are absolutely not accurate. And yet God is with us. Now, friend, there's where your faith uh, is like the rubber meeting the road. There's where your trial of faith is going to be. And you see, we can either come to God believing that he's the rewarder of those who diligently search him, or we can be unbelievers. We can cast aside the truth of God's worth and, and, and the promises of those who will trust him in the scripture. But you see, the only way that any of us can come to God is, first of all, by faith in believing him and believing that he will keep his word no matter what circumstances I'm in. Even though Joseph had been hated by his brothers and lied about by his master's wife, he still trusted in the only true and living God. He knew that he was a sinner and could only be forgiven by God's mercy, but he trusted in God's promises, just like Abraham, just like Isaac, and just like his father Jacob. You see, nobody can please God unless he believes what God says. The greatest things that you and I can do is accept God at his word, accept his word as truth, and trust in all that he has written in the Bible. You see, because God never changes. Our circumstances change. Things happen that are not good, it seems, but God's promises are true. And God did not fail Joseph, even when he was in prison. God took care of him, especially because he had a plan for Joseph's life. And now that Joseph was in prison, it looked impossible. Does your situation look impossible today? My friend, go to the word of God. Agree with God about your sin and your need of him and accept his word to you. Coming to God his way, my friend, and we'll continue to press toward God's way as he further reveals himself to us through this life of Joseph. You see, God always does everything that he promises. And what did he promise Joseph in that dream? That he would be the leader of his family. God does not change his mind like people do. You and I have our difficult circumstances sometimes because of the people and the promises and their mind changes or the lies that they tell. Sometimes those things are very hard to accept, but God keeps his promises, and believe me, God knows what's going on all the time. He knows all about everything, and God is always faithful. He never changes. Now turn with me to chapter 41, verses 1 to 8, and we'll see the next step of happenings in Joseph's life as he's in prison. Read along with me, verse 1 of chapter 41. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed. This is while Joseph is still in prison. And behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine, that is cattle, fat flesh, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kine came up, uh, up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kind on the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kind did eat, of the, eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind. So Pharaoh awoke. Here we see the first of two dreams that have to do with the future in Egypt and how God is going to use Joseph concerning the future of Egypt. Let's read on. Verse 5, And as he slept, and dreamed the second time, 
And behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good, that is, well-formed and good. And behold, the thin, seven thin ears, and blasted with the east wind, sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh woke up, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit troubled, uh, his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but none, there was none that could interpret them for Pharaoh. Now again, it's important that we remember that although God spoke to people in the past through dreams and was planning to show Pharaoh through this dream what was about to happen in Egypt, that is not God's usual way of speaking to us now. Why is that, you say? Well, God, does God not know what's going to happen now? Of course he does. He hasn't changed. He still knows everything about the future. You see, since God doesn't usually speak to people through dreams today, how then is it that we are to know what's going to happen? Well, God tells us what's going to happen even in the future, and he teaches us these things he wants us to know through his word, the Bible. God gives us the Bible so that we can know about the things that are important from his perspective. But here now, Pharaoh is the king of Egypt, and he did not know or worship the true and living God. The Egyptians, you see, worshiped the sun and the moon and the stars and the animals and creeping creatures and the Nile River. The Nile River was the main river flowing down through North, North Africa, through Egypt, and is still there today. But God had a plan. You see, he's supreme and sovereign. And even though these people of Egypt did not worship God, God planned to use this king and his country to fulfill his own promises. You see, God is the owner of all people. He's the owner of everything under the, uh, under the sun and the sun itself, everything in the universe. God is God. You see, God is the controller of even the kings of the earth. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1, we read, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. You see, God is the ruler over all the people and all nations, even though they may not know or worship him. God can use anyone in whatever way he chooses to fulfill his purposes. That's what we mean when we say he's sovereign. He is the blessed controller of all things. He's the owner of all things. He's the supreme ruler of everything, you see. And he's made us. He made us, you see, and we rightfully belong to him. God can do whatever he wants with us. And because God is righteous, everything that he does to people is right. Did you catch that? Because God is righteous, that is, he is right and perfect and just, everything that he does to people is right. Now we see God working through the lives of an Egyptian pharaoh and an Israelite prisoner on behalf of all of his people. You see, at this time, Joseph was still in prison. Even there in prison, Joseph believed that God's purposes and promises were right for him, that God's purposes would not fail him. He believed that God would be faithful to him. Though he didn't understand at the time how God was going to work anything out, Joseph trusted God, and he lived by faith, believing 
that God would do what was best. Now move on with me, if you will, please, to Genesis chapter 41, verses 14 through 16. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself, and changed his raiment, and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So we see that Joseph is giving God the credit for anything that's about to happen. Now let's see the dream interpreted as we move on down to verse 25. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. God hath shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good kind are seven years, and seven good ears are seven years, and the dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favored kind that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. This is a thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh, what God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. Behold, there are to come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land, and the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of the famine following, for it shall be very grievous. And for that the dream was doubled in Pharaoh's, unto Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Joseph is careful to give God the credit where it's due here, you see. He realized that he doesn't have the power to interpret Joseph's, uh, Pharaoh's dreams, but he now gives the sense of it. And God gave Joseph an understanding so that the king would know what God was about to do and what was about to take place in his country. You see, God never fails those who trust in him. God is faithful, and he never changes. Now let's move on down to verse 38. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Even the ungodly were able to recognize that the Spirit of God was active in the life of Joseph. He obviously was not one that was full of bitterness for the hard circumstances that had come his way, but he had allowed God to rule in his life, and now he's declared as a man in whom the Spirit of God is. Verse 39 says, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath shown thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all, uh, set thee over all the land of Egypt. So we see that even though Joseph had been through difficult life experiences, being in prison here and everything, being falsely accused, being hated by his brothers and sold into Egypt, that God had a plan. The Lord had not forgotten Joseph, you see. The dreams that God had given him as a 17-year-old youth were about to be fulfilled. God always does what he plans. 
No one can stand against him. When time has come for God to do what he had planned, he brought Joseph out of prison and gave him a high position, just as he had shown him in his dreams when he was a boy. Well, now our scene changes a little bit to the land where Jacob and his sons are, up in the land of Canaan. You see, chapter 42, verses 1 to 3, begin to tell us now what the situation is there. Let's read it. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look one upon the other? Now that's kind of a typical reprimand of a father whose family is hungry and he's got a lot of lives to feed here. And we'll see very shortly that it's grown indeed, that there are not just a few people, not just 12 sons anymore, but they've multiplied greatly. Verse 2 says, And he said, Behold, I have heard there is corn in Egypt. Get ye down thither, and buy for us from thence, that we may live and not die. And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. Let's move on now down to verse 6. And Joseph was the governor over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Does God keep his promises, my friend? Well, here we see God's promises being fulfilled right before Joseph's very eyes as his brethren came in, not recognizing him, and they bow themselves before him, just like his first dream had uh, predicted. Verse 7 tells us, And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan, to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. Joseph's dream is fully fulfilled. God is faithful, my friends. He never changes. And now here are his brothers in his very presence, and he has power to do with them what he wishes. You see, God was in control, and he was bringing things, past to, uh, bringing things to pass that he had shown young Joseph in his dreams, and now his brothers indeed were bowing down before him. Now, folks, I want to remind you again that this is a wonderful story, and this is true history, but the Bible is not just about a story or a history. This is a recording about the faithfulness of God about the supremacy and the sovereignty of our Heavenly Father, my friend, and that He is in control of all things in our lives. While God demonstrates Himself to us in these real living history, historical recordings, we see the faithfulness of God. The Bible is about God. It's God we need to know about, not the vindication of, of Joseph. Yes, God vindicated him, my friend, but God was faithful. It's he who deserves our attention and he who deserves our praise for his faithfulness. Now, my friend, let's move on over into chapter 43, for we don't have time to read all the details. Oh, let me encourage you to read this faithfulness of God for yourself in minute detail. Chapter 43, verse 1 says, And the famine was sore in the land. And it came to pass when, then, when they had eaten up the corn, which they had brought out of Egypt, their father said unto them, Go ye and buy us a little food. And Jacob said unto them, saying, The man did solemnly protest to us, saying, Ye shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. 
Joseph had declared to them that if they were ever to come back, now as he sent them away full with corn uh, and gave them more than their money's worth and then put their money back in their bags, in fact, well, we see that Joseph was uh, uh, revealing God's plan for them again, and he says, you cannot come back and buy more corn unless you bring your other brother. I just simply won't believe you. Well, what he was saying, he was saying was that he wanted to see his younger brother, Benjamin. Benjamin was the 12th son that was born to Jacob, and he was born of the same mother of Joseph. That was Rachel, you see. Rachel was Joseph's mother, and Rachel was Benjamin's mother. But Rachel had died in Benjamin's childbirth. And Joseph was demanding that if his brothers wanted corn again, he wouldn't give them any unless they were to bring Benjamin. Now in chapter 45, verses 3 through 9, we find that they did it, that they humbled themselves and brought themselves before Joseph. And all of his family came now, all of his brothers, that is, including Benjamin. Chapter 45, verses verses 3 to 9 say, And Joseph said unto his brethren, Behold, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? Oh, he longed for news from home again, you see. And he's exposing himself to his brethren. And now let's see what his brethren respond to our, uh, as. And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Well, I should think they should be. They had sought to kill him. Verse 4 tells us, And Joseph said unto his brother, Come near to me, and I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Oh, the fulfillment of seeing the promises of God come to pass of seeing that God's plan had now been revealed and was now fulfilled. Now he explains the future to his brothers. He says for these, verse 6, For these two years hath, hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be an earring or a harvest. There won't be any plowing or there won't be any harvest. Verse 7, And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So Joseph goes on and continues to reveal the plan of God to his brothers. Verse 8, he says, So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and the Lord of all his house, and ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Now he gives instructions to his brothers. He says, Haste ye, go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made him made me lord over all of Egypt. Come now unto me, and tarry not. This is a moving story. It's a touching story as we see that Joseph weeps as he discloses his true identity to his brothers. And he praises God and causes them to relax in his presence when they knew that he could do with them whatever he wanted. But rather than treating his brothers for the deeds that they deserved, Joseph explained to them that God was in control and that the horrible actions that they had done to him were for the good of themselves and for he as well. God is in control of all things. And we'll continue next time to see the saga of the life of Joseph in the land of Egypt.